0: Get about the curveball, Ricky.
1: Give him a heater.
0: And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And as we get set for uh, the home stretch, we're two weeks away from uh, playoff baseball. So we are getting excited for uh, everything that is going to ensue in the final weeks. We have uh, uh, questions to uh, to ask. We have milestones being hit. We have players heating up uh, and division races uh, uh, neck and up. neck. It's uh There's a fascinating matchup coming up this week as well. So we're going to cover all those things here in our podcast today. But the heater podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking and needs for movies and baseball games of choice, come hungry, leave happy. It was a wet one for most of the week, also most of the weekend. How was
1: life in the wagon? When it wasn't raining and the Packers weren't playing, it was very busy. Now, that only made left for about three hours because <laughs> the rest of the time it was raining or the Packers were playing, but it was still good. It was still good. Uh, we actually stuck it out throughout the rain on Friday and Saturday and did better than I thought we would have done, so I can't complain.
0: All your fantasy football drafts are uh, in the books. Week one is almost in the books for the NFL season. Uh, are you uh, ready to chuck your computer or how are you feeling of things
1: so far? I feel good. I had multiple teams with Devontae Adams, so I feel just fine. And one had Hopkins, so I feel just fine about it. I still go strong after those receivers. You? You
0: know, I I also had uh, uh, games with uh, Josh Jacobs and and Russell Wilson, uh, except I was going against them. Uh, So that's usually how it works with me. I draw the hot players, but usually on the... Other side, so this was not a good day in sports uh, uh, for me. Rays didn't play well. The Dolphins are well. The Dolphins and uh,
1: well, the Packers uh, played well, and my fantasy teams did okay. But we'll we'll get to the Brewers about today in a little Uh, bit here because that was not good.
0: The Packers made it a little bit easier in Wisconsin land for sports fans here uh, for what ensued today. So why don't we dive into injuries as we uh, look at. Uh, the home stretch. Now we're getting to the point where season-ending injuries
1: are more Doesn't of take a reality. Much. Doesn't take much anymore when we're. Seems like the season just started because it's the sixty-game sprint, but we're at the uh, end already. So Tiascos Hernandez. Let's start with him. Awesome player, doing great for things for the Blue Jays this year. Ten-day ideal for the oblique, left oblique sprain. It's actually going to end this season. They said he's yeah. highly unlikely to make it back at least for the regular season. The Blue Jays. Might make the playoffs. They're looking pretty likely at this point. I think they sort of hinted that it'd be even unlikely to get back then, which really hurts them. Obliques are uh, the lingering
0: injury, and they take a while to you really need to sit out for a considerable amount of time to try to get it back so it's not a nagging thing. And you always know with the oblique that it's going to impact every swing. Uh, And uh, that's just the the worst injury you can have for a a person having a, a career year. Uh, and really a, a breakout a, a, player for them yes and uh, a big blow to their uh, playoff aspirations as well they have other talent by all means
1: they're still looking like a good playoff contending team but uh, that's a big blow and let's talk about a big blow to another playoff team the San Diego Padres are going to make the playoffs making me look good uh, but Eric Hosmer is at least for the time being not going to be contributing he broke his left finger fractured his left finger Ooh. he is out he's on the 10-day aisle there once fingers are hard because as you mentioned you need him to Grip the bat so if it heals index finger on your left hand maybe better than on your right hand at least although he is left-handed so that was not great so we're not really sure on how long that one's going to take but he is out for now uh max freed the braves the braves the braves and their pitchers not being able to make it he is on the 10-day il with a left side muscle spasm so that braves rotation has been Absolutely gutted by injuries, they keep finding a way to win. Uh, this time, they called up Kyle Wright, who's another one of their many highly rated prospects, who and somewhat has not panned out. But Max Freed was he was legitimately tracking to finish within the top five of the Cy Young Award. They are still likely to make the playoffs. Hopefully, he's back for that. He was the only one. Propping up that
0: rotation. We've heard the numbers uh, throughout the year. You have his ERA, and then you have the ERA of the rest of the uh, rotation. And it goes from Cleveland Indian level to Baltimore Oriole level. Yeah. Uh, and how they've still won is that many games in spite of that is, uh, uh, is uh, amazing to me. But, yeah, for him to go down. You talk about linchpins uh, within, within baseball. Who's one guy... That if he goes down can sink uh, a team, a se- yeah, a team, a season. Uh, Tiasker Hernandez, you know that's a, a big blow, but it's still not quite at at a linchpin level. Max Freed in that circumstance is so. If this needs to be short lived, if they want to have uh,
1: a chance to still do something in the yes. playoffs they've they're gonna get there I think at this point that's almost a forgiven but now you you need your ace and they've lost Mike Soroka now they've lost Max Freed and Cole Hamels there's talk that he's actually going to be back this week so maybe they'll get some help back another guy we know is hurt though Howie Kendrick the aging veteran for the Nationals the Nationals have had a rough year he's on a 10-day IL with a left hamstring sprain considering they have nothing to play for and given his age I would expect him to be out for the season agreed Robert Gassellman, the Mets in their bullpen, guys. Gassellman's on the injured list for, with a fractured rib. Uh, who knows what the Mets in their bullpen what's going to happen there. Let's talk about a disappointing offense in the Texas Rangers. Gets Loses it even more. Shinsu Chu goes on the 10-day IL. Right hand sprain. So as he's getting put on the IL, they activated Rugnot Odor back. Uh, Odor's been terrible this year. Chu has been not great but on a team that's played that bad he's been one of the bright spots so that is not a good sign for them oh let's update danny santana i think at the end of last week when we're talking about the rangers i mentioned danny santana he's actually having elbow surgery and it looked for them the best case scenario from what i heard is seven months so if he's lucky he'll be back for the end of spring training otherwise that could linger into next year already did you see that one I didn't
0: catch that one. That one especially. Anytime you get into a spring training, that's always if things go according to plan. Often these injuries don't go according to plan and you still need time uh to work on your, your timing to get everything going. Like even with coming back in the in spring training or the end of spring training, that means you're missing the first month or two months
1: of the season. Let's talk about Cattell Marte, the young second base outfield player for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Left wrist inflammation. He went on the 10-day aisle on Wednesday. Once again, a team that's not really in contention. They're not going to push Catel Marte back. He is their future of that team. They're not going to push him back. I wouldn't expect to see him this season unless he's 100% healed. Uh, I would expect to see actually Dalton Varsha is one of their young, he's actually a catching prospect who can play outfield, and he's not played much, but I would expect to see him in the outfield a lot going forward. Final two weeks of a non-competitive year, you're going to see a chance for the kids to play. The Chicago White Sox are playing some amazing baseball right now, but they lost one of their big pitchers. Dallas Keuchel is on the 10-day IL with some back spasms. So we know that they've been getting great production out of Lucas Giolito. He's been on very good. They've had some other pitchers, but Dallas Keuchel, that's one that they're going to expect some good things out of. So that one they're going to want him to get back as quickly as possible. And at this point, you're now trying to
0: just monitor for uh, being ready for postseason. Uh, mm-hmm. you're not trying to mess around with regular season. You want to make sure he's ready uh, for that uh, first round. And uh, uh, I'll throw in another name with that in the same, same context as uh, Yandi Diaz, uh, who's been out for a week here. You're dealing with hamstring issues, uh, and that one is uh, tentative. They're hopeful he comes back in the regular season, but it happened last year too. He was gone for like the last six to eight weeks of the season and then he comes in for the wild-card game against the A's and hits two home runs. So he's at least been there before, uh, but I think I think
1: that's what the Rays are hoping as far as his prognosis of coming back. We can skip ahead to another Rays player. Do you see G-Man Choi went on the aisle with another hamstring strain? And that one sounds
0: also on the more serious side Does versus it? mild. Uh, I don't think he's back uh, this year. I, I don't know what they would try to do maybe in the postseason,
1: uh, but I think they're going to rely on their depth and do their mixing and matching instead. Yeah. Make, make do what They find a way to make two so far. Uh surprisingly good player so far this season for the surprisingly good team, the Florida Marlins, John birdie, uh, not very, very quietly. I think has eight, 10 steals almost somewhere around there. A couple home runs hitting around 300. Really good player.
0: Speed on the base pass Speed has the- been a, a thing for uh, the Marlins
1: this yeah, year, Yeah, but he, he's on the IL right now. Finger contusion. I, Didn't break it. Not as bad as Eric Hosmer breaking it. Sounded like he got hit pretty good. I think he was trying to bunt, and it kind of grazed his finger. And so missed. going to miss 10 days. Uh, You might see him yet this year. It depends how quickly that heals. Once again, they they actually are playing for something. We didn't expect it to happen, but they're playing to make the playoffs. And they added Starling Marte, so they're expecting to at least compete.
0: Go back to the beginning of the year, and we had a few teams that were jumping out to a hot start. Uh, And you can go back to the Colorado Rockies, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Miami Marlins. Uh, And we... Do you remember uh, who you picked of those three? I know that was a question that we asked. Who do you think of the three could actually sustain
1: a playoff run? I think I, I think I picked the Marlins. I feel pretty positive. I picked the Marlins because I like their pitching. It was in Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara. So I think I said something foolish like the the Rockies. I think you picked the Rockies their, actually. Uh, uh, I think either, you did. And one of the you two really like the well. Rockies pitching yeah. for a while. Yeah, that 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 went away pretty quick yeah. here too. Yeah, it did. Let's talk about the biggest name probably on this list as far as well. At least one of the biggest names on this as far as injuries this week. Walker Buehler finds himself on the 10-day IL with the blister. Did you see the you see the picture of this blister? I did not. Don't look it up. It's gross. Ooh. So, you can see the blister if you look around online. Walker Buehler got put on the 10-day IL. He was struggling the other night because of the blister. You could tell it was visibly bothering him on the mound. So, they put him on the IL. Hopefully it heals up. They're going to need him for the playoffs. He has not pitched as well as was expected. He's somebody who at some point, he's got a very good chance to win a Cy Young Award. That's the type of stuff Walker Bueller has. He has not pitched like that this year. They put him on the aisle. They called up Joe Kelly. Flashback to months ago when Joe Kelly started the season. He has actually not served that suspension. So he has to serve that five game suspension before he can actually pitch. So it's not happened yet, but that's who they were called to take Walker Bueller's place. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You never know what they're going to do out there. A role this Chapman still hasn't served his, by the way. Really? Now the, the, it has to be the, soon.
0: The appeal hasn't been uh, heard yet. What are they doing? I, they were quick with Joe Kelly, and uh, I said part of me still has to wonder if uh, Yankee bias means they can just pick
1: and choose when they actually want him to. Of course. Let's talk about the funniest injury of the week. Did you see Zach Wheeler's injury? I did not. He is not. I don't. He's not going to go on the DL, but he had to have a start skipped. They asked uh, the manager of the Phillies, I believe it's Joe Girardi, right now, how he got injured. He injured his middle finger putting on his pants. Had to have his start skipped because he clipped his nail weird on his pants. Well, if you're mentioning pants,
0: and I just got done mentioning Roldis Chapman, it wasn't an injury, uh, but it was a moment. I heard. Uh, And, uh, you know, I guess I'll just leave it in the same words (laughs) as his manager uh who says you know sometimes nature calls
1: that's it it happens George J- already did say in, in zach wheeler's case you can't make this up that was his you can't make this up he injured his finger putting on his pants so he, he missed a start I, I don't think he's gonna go on the aisle but i thought it was funny a couple more guys on the aisle jorge Soler. the kansas city royals been surprisingly hot the last week and making a little push not gonna make the playoffs but good little good little end of the season but 10 day il his is an oblique injury dan already mentioned obliques are hard Solaire, they've got nothing to push him forward towards this year. You likely not to see Solar this year. Such a
0: streaky team. Uh, Kansas mm-hmm. City's been up, up and down, and it's been more by instead of uh, a little here, a little there, win two, lose one, win, uh, lose two, win one. Mm-hmm.
1: It's just been streaks with them. Yep, that's exactly what's carried them so far, and right now they're on a hot streak, so we'll, we'll see how long they can keep it going. A team that is going to be complaining in the. Competing in the playoffs is the Minnesota Twins. Luisa Ryes, they're kind of do-everything infield player. He's on the 10-day aisle with left knee tendinitis. Um, Matt Chapman, I shouldn't have said – I, I might have spoke too soon. I said Walker Buehler was a big injury. I forgot. Matt Chapman, yeah, he had to have surgery out for the season with a hip. He had to have surgery. They actually signed Jake Lamb from the Arizona Diamondbacks to replace him. Jake Lamb, I believe it's he hits righties well but can't touch a lefty, if I'm not mistaken. But – Jake Lamb can do everything he's to the best of his ability, and he is not Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman's defensive abilities alone cannot be replaced at third base. Then you take into account that he's actually a very good offensive player too. So that's probably the biggest injury of the week.
0: Yeah, that's a big blow to the Oakland A's who have been consistently good all year long. Uh, I don't even remember, unlike Kansas City, uh, not really
1: streaky, just consistently good. Consistently winning baseball uh, games. That's how they find themselves pacing the AL West comfortably now over the Astros. And, uh,
0: again, a team to be reckoned with when we get into uh, postseason. We'll talk about that in in just a few short weeks. Uh, But let's talk about players that are uh, on a heater. Uh, We can start with Adam Duvall. Uh, The Atlanta Braves, uh, you might have heard, has scored uh, a run or two this week. Uh, And uh, Adam Duvall was right in the center
1: of that why don't you tell us a little bit about the week he's had so the Braves put up 29 last week on Wednesday which outdid the Brewers but who had actually scored 19 earlier that day but were the Braves put up 29 against I believe it was the Marlins and Adam Duvall had his had a three home run nine RBI night I think he scored five runs also which by itself very impressive good enough to get you on this list by itself but The week before, we didn't talk about it, but Adam Duvall had another three-homer game. So in a span of, I believe it was two a week, in one week, so he had two three-home-run games. It is the second shortest span of all time behind Doug DeSensis, who did so for the Angels August 3rd and August 8th. Otherwise, he's the only person to post three multiple home runs in a shorter time. So Adam Duvall, impressive week. I witnessed uh, Bernie
0: Williams, uh, former player, the outfielder of the New York Yankees, on a three-homer game at the Tropicana Field a number of years ago. Uh, but I can only imagine how hard it is to do one, but to do two in one week. Yeah. Uh, two in a in a season is uh, an excellent accomplishment. Two in the same week. Uh, yeah, you'll make your way under the heater with that one. Uh, let's talk Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh It's a... a transition year uh part of a short rebuild with the Boston Red Sox uh here you have a young player who's uh, being given an opportunity and he's had himself quite a week
1: so Bobby Dahlbeck is the prototypical three true outcomes your Joey Gallo he's gonna hit a home run he's gonna walk or he's gonna strike out and he's been striking out a lot he's walked a lot but he's had some historic starts to his career for his home runs he is the fifth player in history with six or more home runs in his first 10 games. At one point, he had five straight games last week with a home run. So four of his first eight. All these things were different type different types of records he set. I he, The best one I thought found was the six home runs in his first 10 games. Like you said, it's a rebuilding year for the Red Sox. See what you got in him. Maybe there's a future with Bobby Dahlbeck. He's not going to replace Rafael Devers at third, but... Someone who hits like that can certainly find a home in the DH role post J.D. Martinez. I
0: was going to ask you, is there a home uh, for uh, uh, Bobby Becker? Is there a future uh, for him? They're obviously a nice hot start, but uh, from anything that you know from him in the minors, I don't know if you followed him much at all. Uh, do you see him as, uh, uh, now maybe not carrying on at this level, very few players can, but do you see a true major leaguer here?
1: Yeah, I think he's, he's got a major league career ahead of him. I mentioned Joey Gallo. That's probably a little upper echelon for him. I don't think he's got quite that much power. I'm trying to think of a, it's not Jorge Soler. It's too much power too. someone who strikes out a lot, too much probably to have a great major league baseball career. Cause he doesn't make, he's not going to hit the ball. Josh Bell. Sure. Josh Bell, somebody like that who, who can hit two to but strikes out too much, but hits 25 home runs on a good year. Could be an all-star
0: level sure. player, uh, but uh, depends how big the hole in the swing is. Uh, on any given year. Mm-hmm. Shane Bieber is someone who we've mentioned many times on this podcast and uh, you'll right find so. his name mentioned uh, anywhere that's talking about quality baseball players this year. Uh, been at an otherworldly level. Uh, I think we're getting to the point where we can just give him the award now. Uh, he's running away with this. There's a lot of uh, the National League. I think it's a good competition. We talked uh, midseason awards just in the last couple of weeks and players that we liked, uh, et cetera, and favorites to uh, win some of those uh, uh, positions. But I think Shane Bieber is now, because he's just
1: stayed consistently hot. He's His entire season has been a heater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really has been incredible for the Indians We've talked about him a lot, but this week he set he set a major league record. And this weird shortened season, there's going to be some weird records. But this one, this one would work in a regular season too. So he reached 100 strikeouts this season in 62 and one third innings. The fastest player to ever get to that mark in a season. That's not just saying in the shortened season he's the fastest one to get to 100 strikeouts. No, he's the fastest person in history by innings to ever get to 100 strikeouts. Just uh, an impressive stat and an impressive season.
0: Uh Let's talk uh, especially speed. If we're talking uh, Rule Mondesi, uh, he's another guy who has had himself
1: quite a week. You called him Raul. That's his dad, buddy. Yeah. Aldoberto. Yes. Aldoberto Mondesi. He's, He's one of the more unique players in baseball in that he, because he never walks, he strikes out way too much, but he has power, he has speed, and after a horrendous start to the season, which found him down batting eighth a lot of the times... The last 10 days or so has been the reason that Edda Mondesi will find a spot in the baseball. At one point this week, he became the first player in since 1900 to have four games with a home runner and a stolen base in a six game span. He was also only the second player since 1900 to have a home run and a steal in three consecutive games. He has one of, I said, the insane skill set of where he could someday, if he can make contact, Hit 20, 25 home runs and steal 70 bases. I think he's up to 17 steals now, and that's doing so with a right around a 300 on base percentage.
0: Yeah, he is uh, uh, a different player than his father in terms of skill set, and definitely a unique skill set that is there. Uh, A young player that we mentioned in our. Uh, prospect podcast, uh, someone that uh, especially you did for highlighting uh, his capability if the Orioles gave him a, a chance this year, uh, Ryan Mountcastle, uh, a, someone who tore up the minor leagues last year uh, and is now starting to show that same skill set at the major league level. He's had himself uh, quite a, about two weeks now, I believe.
1: Yeah, so Mountcastle, I think if we go way back to the beginning of our podcast, I mentioned Ryan Mountcastle as my favorite first base prospect, and the Orioles were playing really well. So I actually can't blame them for keeping me down. They were winning games, but eventually they said, we got to find a spot for Ryan Mountcastle, and he's been up for the last two weeks. And Jesus Lazardo, Luis Straub, Bear have been awesome for the American League for rookies. But the last two weeks, Ryan Mountcastle has been the best rookie in the American League. He's hitting home runs, he's hitting doubles, and they've already – He's shown that he's got defensive versatility, which has been a question with him. I think they played him in left first in the minors. He used to play shortstop. So at this point, there's no reason that Ryan Mountcastle isn't going to come up, be up from the outset next year and show off what he can do from the right-hand side of the plate. And it hasn't been cheap. He
0: has uh, a very good exit velocity numbers on uh, on his hits. Uh, he is uh, uh, someone to, to keep an eye on in, uh, if you are a fantasy uh, baseball player. Uh, Person, if you're looking for a, in the deeper leagues, he's hitting he's had
1: four home runs already yeah. and 68 at bats, yeah. hitting 368. Now, he ain't gonna hit he will not hit 368. I'm very confident that he is not a 300 hitter, he's more like a 280 hitter. But the home runs are for real, those are gonna stay.
0: Uh, Jeff McNeil is someone who we mentioned at the beginning of the year, is uh, he was contending for a batting title, uh, and injuries and just a cold start. Uh, didn't look like Jeff McNeil the last couple of years. And well, that past few
1: weeks have uh, ch- uh, changed that and then some. I'm going to take a victory lap here because I had Jeff McNeil on this list last week and it was doubles power last week. And I was talking, oh, he's getting some of those doubles back. And then he had a streak where he had four consecutive days with a home run. So it's still going. Jeff McNeil has raised, He, you mentioned he did not start well. There was talk of what's wrong with Jeff McNeil and he's, is he hurt? Well, now his average sits at 316. So that's raised up considerably because it was not that long ago down, I believe, Below right around 200s. the Mendoza line. Yeah. Uh, he, he did get pulled early today. and said gastrointestinal disorders. So I'm assuming he just didn't feel good to his stomach. So I hope that everything's okay with him there. But, yeah, I'm going to take a victory lap on Jeff McNeil for the last week. I'm actually taking another victory lap right now, which I haven't even told you. Uh, once again, flash way back in our podcast to who I predicted to bounce back. And I mentioned Corbin Burns.
0: Yeah, I did yes, mention Corbin Burns. Yes.
1: And Corbin Burns, uh the last start last week against the who was the who were they playing that day? I don't even remember. I watched the game. He was on fire. Anyways, Cor that was the day they scored 19. Who did they beat? Hmm. Oh, I can't remember now. Is it the Reds? Happen. Oh well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, I, I stole this one. Last year in forty-six innings, Corbin Burns had a nine ERA with 16 home runs. He's at 45 innings this year. He is a 199 ERA with one home run. And if you've seen Corbin Burns pitch, once again, he he will not win the Cy Young Award in the National League, but he should finish in the top five. He has been that good for the Brewers on a team that's extraordinarily disappointing to me. I might bring him back up uh, later on in our, uh, uh, in our hot seat. I, we in don't know section. the questions that are coming, so I did not know that.
0: So you will uh, find out later, but we will end the uh, – on a heater uh, portion here with our Pirates positive note of the week. I know everyone's been dying to hear what that one will be. I have uh, because so... I didn't know
1: there was one coming. <laughs> Some weeks it's hard to
0: find one. Uh, but uh, this one's a legitimate one. Uh, their uh, young uh, uh, third-base prospect, Cabrian Hayes, uh, 23 years old. Uh, in his first 10 games, he's batting three forty four, uh, a nine forty four OPS. Uh, he has been... Uh, a nice bright spot in the last uh, 10 games where there hasn't been a lot of that uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, but uh, a nice young player uh, who is uh, having a, a wonderful debut uh, in the major leagues. So
1: he I, also has that. He has got. He doesn't have the Alberto Mondesi skill set of the insane speed, but for a third base player, he has a lot of speed. He stole multiple times in the minors. He stole, I think, 20 bases and 25 months, So and he stole one already in the big league, so it's translating over. That's a good sign. And I suppose another just positive for filing away for
0: future years in fantasy, especially at third base. Huh? Uh, with that sneaky speed that's there to, to gain a few extra steals while definitely still getting the the pop that comes with a third base position, he's an interesting one to, uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, with that, we'll come back here in just a moment with our news and notes of, of looking at uh, some of the bigger highlights of, of the past week. Stay tuned.
1: Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk! I can't, sir. It's liquid. Imbecile! Freeze it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, Calvin. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have a spans span
0: that can only be measured in nanoseconds. To be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! As we come to you from the, the Heater Podcast Studios... Uh, We have uh, Sunday Night Football on in the background here and kind of nice to uh, check that out uh, in the background as we keep uh, sports life uh, going here and opening weekend of football as we uh, talk baseball in the home stretch. This is again the the fun type of year. We have uh, playoff uh, basketball getting ready to uh, tighten up. And to some of the more final series, we have uh, football kicking off, we have baseball with its playoffs right around the corner, and I got a, a cat tail that is uh, right by the projector that is uh, going around the screen there. So hopefully I'm seeing what's helping a, a fantasy football team, but uh, I'm being blocked better than I think what the uh, uh, well than, better than what the, uh, the cowboys are doing right now on, on yeah, their blocking.
1: It's been it's a struff. I've been watching Robert Woods. He's been eating these guys alive on those little bubble screens. Let's see? I, I like the Rams this year. I think they're going to be a good team. The
0: uh, COVID has obviously been a, a a big part of the the storyline here in Major League Baseball, but and we're at least thankful as we get into the home stretch, you wonder like
1: you just don't want to see this in uh in playoff time. You don't want to have uh, to you don't want to have COVID be the deciding factor of the playoffs. That's exact. That's the what exactly what you don't want to see. And so you start getting a little more nervous when you hear positive cases
0: getting closer to the end of this year. We had a possible positive case with the San Francisco Giants and thankful that it turned out to be a false positive.
1: Yeah. So on Friday we heard that the Giants-Padres series was going to be postponed and that's been essentially standard protocol at this point is if there's a positive test, the series is postponed, which makes complete sense, and then you find a way if you can to double-header it up and get those games back in, but... Early today, they announced that they were going to play a doubleheader because the Giants, whoever it was, they don't have to announce who it was, but whoever it was, they had two negative tests, so they assumed it was a false positive. So they played, I believe they played one game already, and they're playing right now. Yeah, the Padres are up 2-1 to right now in the second half of the doubleheader. So that's what we want to see. And we mentioned the NFL. The NFL tested all their players today, and they didn't have a single positive test. So at least so far, in both cases right now, that's working.
0: Baseball is more... Uh, equipped to handle positive COVID with the multiple games and the ability to do double headers. Uh, They have navigated that very well. Football is not one that you can uh, have double headers for. So I'm still, of of all the sports, that's the one I'm the most curious about. How will they handle uh, positive cases uh, NFL style? But that's a whole different uh, different
1: question. They're always going to start the NFL season. Let's give it a month. We'll see where we're at here. I hope it's still going, but. Yeah, like you said, something to talk about some other day maybe, but not today. Something to talk about from this past week
0: uh, is, uh, and and I'm glad that we picked this word, uh, the Offensive Wednesday, because it's either offensive or it's offensive, depending upon whether or not you are a pitching fan uh, or a fan of the opposing teams. Uh, But Wednesday, the uh, baseball did its best football impression, And put together some box scores that made you think that you were looking at a uh, football box score and not baseball.
1: So it hit me who the Brewers played that day. That was the Corbin Burns start. And while his start was phenomenal, he looked like a Cy Young Award winner. It was the Brewers put up 19 in that day game against the Detroit Tigers, set a record for extra base hits as a team, and looked like, I said, it looked like a blowout of the day, 19 to nothing. You don't expect to be outdone. But later in the night is when the Braves put up 29 runs. Off of the Marlins. Now the Marlins did tack on nine of their own, but twenty-nine runs the Braves put on there. Uh, I believe, as Adam Duvall, we mentioned, Acuna came back, or actually Albies came back and hit a home run that night, and Acuna had one. I don't. I think Freddie Freeman might have had one. It was, it was a day of offense. Yeah, the Falcons scored a couple of touchdowns against the Dolphins,
0: and uh, uh, oh wait, wrong sport. Uh, but uh, yeah, nineteen to near uh, to nothing, or nineteen to. Yeah, right? and and you uh were sent me a a message about that and I said, "Eh, I've seen better." Falcons <laughs> only scored 25 today. So yeah, the Braves beat them. Falcons only got 25. So you have the the high-flying offense uh of the Atlanta Braves which also might be coming up later. Hmm. Uh but uh it was a an impressive night and again, this week presented more at least uh two or three different times never seen in modern uh Modern baseball history, not since 1900. Uh, we've had a, a few of those. I'm going to jump down to one here to go right along with it. I can't believe this has never happened before. I, I just I would have thought that's that somehow on that, too. It, it would have, but uh, the Tampa Bay Rays came out with their all lefty lineup uh, to get the, the matchup they wanted versus the Boston Red Sox starting pitcher. Uh, and the all lefty lineup from one through nine in the order. Uh, has not happened uh, since 1900.
1: Yeah, I was I was surprised on that too because in this day and age of mixing and matching, I suppose it's slightly helped by the fact that the rosters are still slightly expanded. I suppose that helps them. But I did would have guessed if that at least once in the last 30 years there had been an all lefty lineup. But Austin Meadows, Joey Wendell, Brandon Lau, G-Man Choi, Kevin Kiermeyer, Yoshi Satsugo, Nate Lowe, Brett Phillips. You already told me. Who's the catcher? That Who's the Perez catcher? Michael Perez. Michael Perez combined together to have the first all-lefty lineup. Blake Snell pitching, so a left-handed pitcher, and they were successful. Well, and the irony of all of it
0: is uh, the Red Sox used their pitcher as an opener, and they switched to a left-handed uh, pitcher in the second inning. So it really didn't matter a whole lot. I think they did get one or two runs in that first inning, though, so they at least got something out of it. But, yeah, one of the more peculiar things – uh, better milestone, uh, Albert Pujols uh, uh, today
1: got his 660th career home run. We've been waiting for that one for a while. He, he got to the 659 mark early in the season, and we've been kind of treading water here for a while. But today off of the Colorado Rockies, late in the game, eighth inning actually gave him a lead in that point. He hit his 660th home run, ties him for fifth all-time with Willie Mays. So uh, career for the Hall of Fame eventually he'll be there but yeah that's that's great news and i'm sure because there's no fan he doesn't have to pay anybody to get the ball back so that's advantage for him too because by now otherwise that one's worth a lot do you it's sad to see a a foot injury really
0: change the the twilight of albert pujol's career he just hasn't been the same
1: batter since he's still been uh, he's above average he's above above average average, at this pace but, but i mean the and we mentioned this. When I'm back on our uh, goat podcast, and we talked first baseman. The the Cardinals' career Albert Pujols is tracking to be the best first baseman of all time. At that point, yep. Now the foot injuries. It's plantar fasciitis is what he's dealt with now for half a dozen years or more. And if you watch Albert Pujols try to run sometimes to first base, it's it's painful to watch. Like you can tell he still struggles just to move on the bases and it's a, it's clearly affected the second half of his career. Now he's he's still like I said, above average player at this point, I would say offensively, but no, it's not tracking to what he would have been. Do you think he's done?
0: Uh his contract is done at the end of this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh and so that means with the the Angels, uh he, his uh, his contract has definitely outshined his performance for the last couple of seasons. Absolutely. Uh, and uh now it's a matter of what what next. Uh, the angels will move on,
1: yeah, uh, it, it, but w- could someone
0: take a flyer on him? Does he have a shot at at seven hundred? Can he get there, or is
1: he done? Yeah, i I think if his angels, I couldn't find it quick enough. But if his angels' career is really done, then I would say it's highly unlikely that someone's going to take a chance on him. He's going to have to play DH. And at this point, I think we both probably expect the National League will have DHs next year. Now, they obviously have all filled in without Elber Pools this year, so you can't tell me that they need Elber Pools to come play DH for them. So there's no way he's, he's been making $24 million a year on that contract. It's not happening. He would have to sign for the veteran minimum. It's kind of like we saw Ichiro Suzuki at the very tail end of his career bounce around the big leagues, eventually going to the Marlins and ending up back with Seattle. And it's the same thing. Those are Hall of Fame players who time wins against everyone. So Pujols, is slowed down.
0: Well, I guess there's one more year left on his deal. I thought it was through 2020. It's through 2021. So uh, he'll be at least around in some capacity with the the yeah, Angels next not, year.
1: And at this point, he's not even an everyday player at DH for them because that's where Shohei Otani plays. And they're not taking Shohei Otani's bat out of the lineup for Alper Pujols. So he'll be a part-time player for them. He needs... Forty more home runs to get. Th- he will not get to seven hundred home runs. I don't believe.
0: Not. It's definitely not in in one year. And uh, I I don't see it. His current health condition of being able to play uh, beyond that. Nope. Uh, a not good uh, highlight. Uh, depending upon uh, where you reside, good. Yeah. Uh, is uh, the second no hitter of the shortened season happened today, uh, and. Uh, unfortunately for Brewers fans, it was uh, against them. Uh, at least you had the Packers today, as we talked about. Uh, but I will say it's a really cool story for this pitcher. Uh, this was a an, an afterthought, not someone that was given a lot of prospect shine or uh, anything within it. Was it an 18th round or 22nd round draft pick? I, I can't remember which it was. It's 20,
1: but... Alec Mills is a 22nd round pick yes. by the Royals and he was traded for in a nondescript trade a few years ago to the cubs that got very little attention because Alec Mills and Donnie Dewees aren't very famous players but yeah Alec Mills if you're a cubs fan today he threw the what
0: number was it i saw
1: 16th no-hitter in cubs history and did it against the brewers it was a gem
0: Congratulations to uh, Alec Mills for for that. Because number one, whenever you're eventually having stories with grandkids, uh, to say that you played in the major leagues is really cool. Uh, but you joined a very a much more select group uh, of throwing a a no hitter uh, on a major league mound. So it's a very
1: he's for those of people who have not seen Alec Mills pitch. I had not. I honestly can say I had not seen Alec Midge pitch more than a couple innings until I watched a little bit of today's start and. He looks a lot like – he pitches a lot like Kyle Hendricks, kind of that slow, low 90s fastball, really, really slow looping curveball, like mid-60s. And so if you remember way back to the very first game of the year when Kyle Hendricks' complete game shut out the Brewers, it looked a lot like that where there was not a whole lot of good swings on the ball. And this is from John Morosi. Alec Mills wasn't even recruited by the University of Tennessee at Martin. He walked onto to the practice one day and told the coach he was good enough to try and pitch. They gave him a tryout. 22nd round draft pick, and now he's throwing no hitters. So, yeah, it's a great story.
0: What we're seeing in Major League Baseball as a result of everyone is pitching harder than ever before. The the average fastball in Major League, uh, I I don't remember what it is right at the top, but it's been increasing each year to, like, throwing 95 is meant to be at average. Expected, uh, expected, agreed. And uh, 97, 98, you have... It used to be closers would hit triple digits, uh, or the very rare starting pitcher would get that in the first inning. Now you have like Sixto Sanchez, who's just doing it all the time, and other pitchers doing the same thing. It's As a result of that, as batters try to get themselves ready and they're timing up for these uh, high mile-per-hour fastballs, uh, if you have very good control, uh, you need to have above-average control, but if you have that, and you only throw 91-92, uh, the difference in the timing is messing up hitters and putting that advantage back to a pitcher. You need to have the control because you've got to place it well, but if you have that control, uh, you have a career in Major League Baseball despite being a, an afterthought with a, a
1: le- less-than-stellar fastball. Yeah, pit, throwing strikes. Always throw strikes and give yourself a chance to get an out, and that's exactly what Alec Mills did today. They only had five swinging strikes all day, which if you watch swinging strikes on Baseball Savant, you want about 10 to 15 at least, and if you have a good pitcher, Jacob DeGrom can get some incredible numbers, and you're talking about velocity. I mean, I've seen recently his numbers. His velocity numbers are somehow getting better as he gets older with age, which should be impossible, but like those type of players are what you're expecting, but yeah, if you you throw it over the plate, you just got to trust your defense to get turnouts, and it worked today for the Cubs. Well, we're coming up to my my favorite uh, segment coming up next, and that's
0: going to be the hot seat. Uh, As Corey and and myself put each other on hot seat, we have five questions uh, that we have prepared uh, covering each league. Uh, Each of us will take five of those questions of the other, and we have not seen those questions, so we're going to put each other on the hot seat coming up next.
1: take away our phones and you could take away our keys, but you cannot take away our dreams! That's right, because we're like sleeping when we have them! What you've just said is one of the most insanely
0: idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling,
1: incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber. For having listened to it, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
0: Well, as we warm up the the seats and uh, prepare for these questions, I have five questions prepared for Corey, discussing the National League, and he has prepared five for me. For the American League, would you prefer to go one-to-one or to do all five uh, in a row? What's your preference?
1: Let's do one-to-one. One-to-one. Let's do one-to-one.
0: Well, why don't I start us out since we just talked about him here? So this is kind of a transition at the same time. Uh, But it's kind of going a little bit more in-depth. No hit today. (laughs) We've talked about it for weeks. Keep waiting for things to click. Uh, instead, continuing to fade. I have kind of a two parter question. But the first one is it over for the Milwaukee
1: Brewers? Is it over? So they are currently with today's loss 20 and 24, which sits them two games behind the card. They have a much better chance of beating the Cardinals and getting that second spot in the Central than they do of the wild card. The advantage they have is due to COVID, they have not played the Cardinals yet. So of their remaining. 12 games 10 of them 10 of them are against the cardinals i did not know that yeah i did just because i know that because i know what they need to do and so yeah their chance they have not played the cardinals that this season so let's say they have 10 more games against them if they go seven and three even six and four that's what they need to do something like that and then they can still make the playoffs
0: even if with making the playoffs with the way this year has gone, and you could chalk it up to just a, a, a fluke year, uh, tweak or tear down? What is this team? Because you are now, the years are getting farther removed from being like one out from the going to the World Series. Uh, this team hasn't looked like that. Mm-hmm. Each year looks that much farther away, not that much closer. What do you do... With this team, tweak or
1: tear down? You have to. D- what they currently have is four pretty solid building blocks, at least, as far as pitchers are concerned. They have Devin Williams and Josh Hader, as far as the bullpen. Josh Hader melted down two nights ago and cost them the game against the Cubs. But generally, Josh Hader has won the back to back reliever of the year awards. Still a good pitcher. Devin Williams has been the. Literally has been the best early pitcher in baseball so far this can, year. Can we say the best changeup in baseball? Not yes. just for a reliever, but best changeup yes. in baseball. It's it's almost unhittable with its the fact that it drops both horizontally and vertically makes it almost unhittable. And then Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, still good pitchers. So they have building blocks, but the offense has sputtered. It's been the offense has been inconsistent. That's, I think, something that we didn't expect. We thought the offense would at least be able to hit, and it'd be the pitchers that would be inconsistent, but Christian Hero needs to be better. He needs to stop striking out at this ridiculous clip that he is, because if he's going to strike out 30% of the time, he's never going to reach his potential. That And that's never been him in his entire career. Nope. He's a contact hitter first. Mm-hmm. So Christian Jelic is cannot be a 200 hitter. I don't think Christian Yelich is only going to be a 200 hitter. Lorenzo Kane comes back, and those are all players you can build around, but they need they need more so some of the players that they've expected have not produced for him uh justin smoke is gone now they've omar Narvaez they expected more out of he has not worked out so far i don't think you need to change omar Narvaez you just got to hope in a normal season that it all works out and he hits at least 240 with his 25 home runs at third base, Jed Jerko has been very good, actually, for the Brewers. That's worked out. Luis Urias has gotten back from COVID and has come out and played a very nice Orlando Arcia has had the best year of his career at shortstop. And so Ryan Braun, I believe he said this would likely be his last year. So you're going to need to fill in Ryan Braun, but they have Avesa Garcia, Christian Yelich, and Lorenzo Cain. So the outfield is still set. I don't think it's any massive changes that need to be made to this team. Now, if they could go back and get a player like Obviously, they missed Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal. Who wouldn't, right? I'm not sure they're going to be able to go out and get a player of that caliber. If they could, absolutely, you do it. You've, you've got to try and get as many players in the lineup as possible. But I think small tweaks as opposed to big changes? For me, it's they tried the spaghetti wall method uh, in
0: this past offseason. They got a bunch of lottery tickets, a bunch of guys, and they threw it against the wall, hoping that at least one or two of them would work out. Now, this was the scenario where almost none of them worked out. It has been bad. And I I think this means you need to be a little bit more strategic uh, in your improvements. Uh, This method backfired, and so to me, it's less of what I'm expecting on the field and more from the front office. I want to see a better approach uh, by player procurement and development. Uh, We've seen some – the positives that you would have wanted – if you would have asked any Brewer fan coming into this year – if you would have told them that uh, you would have found another lights-out reliever uh, to give yourself a, one of the best eight and ninth inning combos in baseball, that not only would Woodruff look good, Corbin Burns would look good. It would be everything that you Excellent. thought he could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you just would have said that alone, people would have said, okay, we're looking playoffs because yeah. pitching has been the issue. Mm-hmm. The offense all of a sudden took a step back when the pitching has taken a step forward. Now you still need more depth in that rotation, but I think you're only looking for... Uh, some of the other players have at least been solid, nothing yeah. spectacular. Brad Anderson's
1: been serviceable. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Lauer was terrible. Uh, Freddie Peralta has not started games, but he's been really good doing like the... Swing. S- swing middle pitcher guy. Uh, Hauser was start of the year solid. He's kind of struggled, but... Yeah, those guys have been they've done enough. You just expected more. You expected your offense to be contributing more, to give you bigger leads and Well, you still expected Yalich to be Yalich, and I think that's been the biggest uh And Lorenzo Cain opted out early on, and correct. obviously you can't plan for that, and it was they you wanted to do it, his choice, right? Always been said. We've always said on this podcast, anybody who wanted to opt out, that's their right. Go for it. But the Brewers didn't plan on that. So in the as long as this makes sense to
0: folks, strategic not spaghetti. Yeah. Is my uh, philosophy on, on Brewers in off-season.
1: What's your first one for me? So I'm going to stick in your AL East, and I have a player for you who has routinely competed to win batting titles, MVP awards. He's never gotten, but he has been right there many years in a row. And his name is J.D. Martinez for the Boston Red Sox. Now, I'm on his baseball. So Actually, let's go get his just regular statistics right now, not even the StatCast stuff. So last year... He hits 304 the year before, 330, 302. He has not hit below 300 since 2015. He has had well over 30 doubles. He has had 36, 43, 29 home runs, 45 home runs. Let's just look at the raw data this year. Right now, he's had four home runs with 19 RBIs, and he is hitting 200, 205, a 287 on base percentage after having 383, 402. That's just the raw data. And then if you look at the expected stats, it's all in line. He is not getting unlucky. Is J.D. Martinez is now 33 years old? Is is he on the way out? I think he's a free agent after this year, too. He has uh, numerous opt-outs in
0: his contract. I know another one comes up this year. Uh, for a DH-only player, uh, he's not opting out for $20 million uh, next year. So he will be a Boston Red Sox next year unless they find a team to trade him to. And at this point, if you're going to trade him, you're going to have to eat some of that salary. Uh, which... Boston might do, but I I think it depends what they do in their offseason. Are they still looking at one more year of of a rebuild, or are they starting to uh, uh, retool right away? If they retool right away, then he stays. If it's still part of a rebuild, I could see them eating part of the contract to get a prospect and letting him go off somewhere else to whoever's willing to take a risk at it. Now that you have two full leagues uh, looking for a designated hitter, uh, the market for... J.D. Martinez just went up. I don't think he's done. Um, I think you're looking at someone, again, kind of like Christian Yelich. There's some fluke things that have happened in this shortened year. If you if you would give a guy like that 162 games to course correct, I think he would. Now, he may not be up at the full, uh, full uh, seasonal averages that you would expect from him, uh, but at least you would see enough evidence to say, okay, he's fine. It, whatever happened happened. Kind of like Jose Ramirez last year. Imagine Jose Ramirez' season last year, this year, yeah. we'd be having the same question.
1: Exactly. Oh yeah, for because sure.
0: he was at that point, he was as ice cold as it got. He was at the Mendoza line. Uh, there was tons of questions about him early on. Second half of the year, he heated up. Uh, you would easily see that from from JD Martinez. So I'm. Uh, if I was the uh, treasurer of the Boston Red Sox, I'd be a little bit frustrated, knowing I'm not getting bang for buck right now, but overall, as far as planning for him as an offensive player, uh, I still see him as a a key offensive threat moving forward. So
1: I I just mentioned the StatCast stuff, and if you look at StatCast at all, anytime it's in dark red, it means he's in the top 10% of the league. I mean, the last five years, his entire page is dark red until you look at this year. Now, I said the StatCast numbers don't back it up, but it's a little bit fluky actually he's actually lowered his ground ball rate which is what you want hitting the ball on the ground is hard to get hits with he's actually lowered that and he's raised his line drive rate which is what you want 33 percent is the highest it's ever been so it could be just a weird like you mentioned it could just be a weird year i would not be surprised if jd martinez i don't know if he'll ever bounce back to being the perennial mvp threat that he was but he's probably got another i wouldn't be surprised if he has another 30 homer season in him
0: yeah, and I'll even go ahead and say it, a weird three months, not even a weird year, because you're not even yeah, given a chance right. to even see that. Uh, absolutely. My question for you next for question two. Uh, Padres are have just rattled off six consecutive wins, looking at seven in a row right now, depending upon how tonight's game shapes out. They will either be two games or or three games back of the Dodgers, uh, making that a a closer divisional race than we thought. Uh, I looked at the schedule to see who do they have in the next two weeks uh, to see what what are they looking at. Well, starting tomorrow, they have a three-game series versus the Dodgers. Uh, my question is, what will it take to surpass the Dodgers?
1: Really good pitching. Uh, the, Dodgers, the Dodgers are going to pitch as well as anyone. I said Walker Bueller's hurt, but they still got Kershaw. Uh, Dustin May is sort of injured apparently they don't they're not giving a whole lot of information there and I'm not I think they sort of mentioned that it's his finger or whatever but they have pitching for days and so the the Padres if they are going to compete there need all of their pitchers the Danelson Lametz, the uh, Chris Paddock who's been kind of inconsistent for him some of those type of guys they need to be able to pitch with the Dodgers because the Padres offense at this point is as good as the Dodgers' offense has been because the Dodgers have had some players not really jump out of it. We never really talk about it because they keep winning, but Cody Bellinger has not, certainly not looked like the reigning National League MVP. Max Muncy is drawing walks at a high rate, which he always does, but not hitting very, very well. Uh, it's, Corey Seager is still on fire. Mookie Betts has been on fire, but as a whole, the Dodgers' offense has not been maybe top to bottom what we expected it to be. The Padres' offense has been Actually, better. I I'm not sure if it's statistically backed up by the fact they've scored more runs, but if you've watched them play, their offense looks better than the Dodgers' offense. So they just need the pitching. Mike Clevenger
0: pitched a a two-hit, seven-inning shutout today in Game One. I see it, and it's. I think that one is going to be the difference maker for them having a shot at going deep into the playoffs. Uh, they're now able to slot in three very good pitchers where you can now take on uh, a top three of a rotation uh, for a, another team. You have uh, uh, Paddock, you have Clevenger, you have Lamette. You have quality uh, players that you can throw out there. So that pitching is now coming around to matching what their uh, offense has been capable of. And I think the biggest series of the season, I'm going to call it, uh, with uh, Padres versus Dodgers, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this will be our series of the week, kind of jumping out uh, with that. We'll uh, highlight it a little bit more uh, when we wrap up here, but uh, uh, I think that's the the biggest series uh, that we've had in this uh, COVID-shortened season leading
1: up to postseason contention. The Padre that I need to make sure I mention here, I don't know if we've ever actually mentioned on this podcast, but has pitched unbelievably well. Brewers fans, if you don't want to hear more bad news, pay, plug your ears. This has been Zach Davies. If you've seen Zach Davies pitching for the Padres this year, he's made nine starts. He's 7-2, and 240-80 or 8 in a .96 whip. It's really worked well since he's getting out to San Diego. He's actually striking out at a, players at a higher rate than he's ever done before. I, am, I have to admit I've only watched two of his starts this season, and his control is as usual as – really good. So it's working, whatever's going on. That's another one. So they've, they've got depth and I was right. They've scored more runs at this point than the Dodgers. So that should be a great series. And the Padres, they have what takes, they could, they could climb the Dodgers and something I never thought possible when I even picked the pot. Pa- I've been talking up the Padres since we started doing this, but I never thought they could catch the Dodgers. I've asked you what will it take in order to do it? But do you
0: think they will? If oh let's, let's say they win the, the, the game tonight, where now they're only two games back. Two weeks to go, you have a three game series here. Even if you go two and one versus them, you don't need a sweep, but if you go two and one, you're only one game back with with ten
1: games to play. Yeah. Yeah. At this at this point they're at this point, they're not only playing better baseball, they have the better pitching staff with at least for health wise the more consistent pitching staff because i said bueller's hurt dustin may's hurt who knows what is going on with alex wood he's sort of in there so at this point it's very possible that they will pass them and they are getting hot at the right time yeah and they've been great all season let's go to my number two question question number two i'm just going with these dhs is nelson cruz a human being or a cyborg (laughs) as he continues to get better with age uh, Nelson Cruz has come up on this podcast a few times. People should not have aging careers like Nelson Cruz. It's not supposed to be what's humanly possible. At this point, Nelson Cruz is hitting three thirty one, which is the highest average of his career. He has a 420 on base percentage, also the highest of his career. In this shortened season where he's now been up 157 times, he has 16 home runs, 32 RBIs, and I, like a fine wine, this man gets better with age. Human, cyborg, what's going on here? Is he truly ever going to get worse? Well, I think the only way you could uh, fully answer that
0: question is you'd have to get entrance into Area 51. I think the, uh, the, the tests are, are kept there under lock and key. Uh, but here's someone who originally, I remember uh, way back when, called a 4A player, a quad A player. No one knew for sure if he could actually be, if he could actually cut
1: it. Another major brewer. Leagues you know he's on the brewers yeah. Yeah. sorry brewers fans this is a rough day for you
0: the just continues to get better as as you said he's uh 40 years old uh 40 and, years and, old. and putting up numbers that uh no one has seen at that age it is uh incredible uh to see and uh like The opposite of someone that you watch like a great like Albert Pujols that we mentioned earlier in the podcast. And unfortunately, injuries slow that down to where that prime talent no longer, he's a shell of his former self. Nelson Cruz is doing the exact opposite and just continuing to still get better despite the age. He has made up for lost time. Uh, he's someone where I think he's only one to two years away from being in that consideration for one of the best DHs of all time.
1: Uh, oh yeah, he oh yeah.
0: has. Uh, normally, we think of like in more recent uh, era. Uh, era David Ortiz. That's who you think of when you think uh, DHs. Fear DHs. It's David Ortiz. Nelson Cruz is the same, if not more, uh, at this stage. Which I know some of the the Northeast might uh, completely bash me for, but the uh, you have someone who is continuing to be. Now, now you need to see it in the playoffs David Ortiz could do it in the playoffs and that uh, led to uh, a whole different stratosphere I would love to see Cruz uh, get that shot he hasn't played on many playoff teams uh, so I would lo- love to see him get that shot again with the Twins uh, this year and uh, and show that uh, as well uh, but yeah I Number one, I don't see why he'd be done. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Yes, he is. Uh, yes, he is. And I think the Twins would be foolish not to uh, to keep him. You pay whatever At this you point, you him.
1: just pay him. Like you pay him as many one year deals or whatever as you want because at this point, you since he was with Baltimore was at 2014. Yeah, six years ago, I think that people are saying, oh, he's almost done. Baltimore signed a one year deal. He went to Seattle and had multiple 40 home run seasons and now a couple seasons with the twins and he's just getting better so at this point you just keep paying him until somehow eventually he has to slow down but it certainly doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon
0: i get to do the what if for my team now because it was two years ago that nelson cruz was picking between the tampa bay rays and the minnesota twins and the minnesota twins were willing to offer just a little bit more and the rays didn't pony up the dough and uh, that would have been uh quite a coup to get uh Charlie Morton and Nelson Cruz in one offseason, so that was a, a what-if on, on my side. Uh, question three, this is the first of two buy-or-sell questions. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, uh, we talked about at the beginning of the year their pitching was going to be better and be a strength, and then injuries and other things happen. But the Braves now have, according to Run Scored, the best offense in the National League. Do you buy or sell their
1: offense as a legitimate threat in the playoffs? It's not the best offense in the National League. I don't. The 29 run day certainly helps you boost your numbers. Just a little bit skewed after this but, week here. But it's a very good offense. Uh, they have multiple. Okay, so Travis Darnoas at catcher has played excellent for them this year. Uh, I can't say anything other than that. At first base, Freddie Freeman is the best first baseman in the National League? Am I forgetting somebody obvious? He's certainly in the top two or three. With health, he's there. There's yeah. no reason to, uh, to Ozzy that. Albies is finally back. He missed all that time. I mentioned Ozzie Albies got back, hit a home run, second base, you're set there. Austin Riley strikes out too much at third, but good third baseman. Danzy Swanson, former first pick overall in the draft, doesn't get Resurgence. any credit for how, he's be, how good he really has been for the Braves. He really has been good for the Braves for a couple of years now. Adam Duvall, already mentioned, he's been playing... Here's what Adam Duvall does. He hits home runs. That's what the, the Braves expect him to do. He does it. And center field, you have Ronald Acuna, the preeminent young superstar in the game. One of them, along with Tatis, we... Probably don't talk about him enough. How good Ronald Acuna really is. Injuries just keep him from fully reaching that
0: next level. Yeah, but
1: in this bad, in this weird year, Ronald Acuna has 11 home runs, stole six bases, hitting .270. When that's a bad year at right? the age of right? 21 or whatever he is now, uh, you know you have a superstar for a long time there. And Marcelo Zuna has been everything they've asked for. So yeah, this is a an awesome lineup. It's a great lineup. It's now a matter of yeah, will they get the pitching they need to get there? I think it's probably behind the Padres. And the Dodgers, but uh, I kind of think, yeah, that's probably the only teams i put it by. I'd put it ahead of the Cubs at this point, so one of the top three lineups in the National League. The Phillies actually have a pretty good lineup too, but not quite as good as the Braves. I've
0: mentioned uh, uh, Nicholas Castellanos is uh, one of the best offseason acquisitions uh, mm-hmm. this past year. I should make sure to mention one that the only one that could surpass it is Marcelo Zuna, who has had, awesome. uh it's no longer just a, a hot stretch but it's been the entire season he uh, 318 average 14 home runs he uh, bet on himself with a one year deal and he will get paid in the off season
1: I think the Braves are going to pay him actually I, if Nar- if Nick, Nick Marquez says he's done if Nick Marquez says he's done Ozuna going back to the Braves and whether or not excuse me whether or not it's to play DH or right field he will go back to the Braves. And if Marquez says he's back, then I think that it's put Marcel is right back in DH, assuming that they're going to have it and say, this is your spot as long as you want it. Oh, let's go with my next question. I've got a player that we've never talked about on this podcast because he was suspended for a long portion of the season, but he's back. I don't believe he pitched well today, but until then, he'd been pitching quite well, and that is Michael Pineda. The Twins have been trying to come back, falling behind the Chicago White Sox. They have fallen behind a little bit. They're now one game back. But Michael Pineda started the season. He was suspended for PEDs. And in the last couple of weeks, he has come back and pitched very, very well for the Minnesota Twins. And we talked about the Twins. They've struggled actually a little bit with some pitching. So three starts he's made, 17 innings, 357 ERA, 119 whip, 20 strikeouts. Is Michael Pineda enough to boost the Twins above the White Sox? Michael Pineda is an interesting pitcher in that
0: one of the things that a Fangraphs article highlighted for him was his excellent ability with pitch tunneling. Uh Again, in the last couple of seasons, the, the way in which we understand what makes a pitcher successful has changed. Uh, we've we've talked about uh, spin rates and and, and uh, players understanding the, the ways of trying to in, uh, to increase their spin rate on their pitches. A better spin rate means uh, more depth on on breaking pitches, etc. Maybe more rise on a fastball. Those types of things. That's how they actually make that happen. Pitch tunneling is the way in which you can confuse batters at the plate when you can make two of your pitches thrown the same, where it looks like the same, where you don't know if it's a fastball or if it's a curveball because it looks the same coming out, and both those have drastically different endpoints for them. Confusing pit, uh, confusing hitters like that makes you a very effective pitcher. So when they're talking about Michael Pineda being elite at pitch tunneling, uh, that is an impressive skill set. The problem has been health, uh, and then now the PD uh, the PED, uh Suspension that was there knocked out innings, but he's coming back uh, ready to go. Uh, he, uh, wh- what are we at here? On the 13th, he allowed three runs on eight hits and a walk over four and two third innings, struck That's out today. eight. That's today. So, so that is today. I never keep track of it anymore. But the so today over Cleveland, eight strikeouts and four and two thirds. Uh, so again, he's still building up his innings. But can he be a an x factor for the twins in the playoffs as he because by the time we get there he'll be at five five six innings? he'll be ready to, to go and do that uh yes, uh you have someone who uh, there's a reason why the twins invested in him. They gave him a two year twenty million dollar contract mm-hmm. uh and that was uh believing in some of the advanced stats. Uh, that if, if he could actually stay healthy, he could be uh, an impact pitcher for them. And in a shortened stint right now, they don't need him for a full season. They just need him for the next six weeks.
1: And, and he's been an impact pitcher in the past, whether it was the one year Correct. in Seattle, some Correct. of those Yankees years. He's had very good success. And just because of the suspension, he's sort of become the forgotten man this year. But at this point, there it's almost becoming a two-man race. Cleveland's dropped off a little bit the last week just because their offense is still – not working as well as they wanted to, but the White Sox and the Twins appear to be pacing to lead that division, and we mentioned the White Sox are losing Dallas Keuchel for 10 days. Michael Pineda's coming in, so that, that something like that at this point could be just enough to flip it in the Twins' favor.
0: Absolutely. Let me give you my last buy-sell question, and that's talking about the Miami Marlins. Uh, my question is COVID contenders or perennial playoffs? They're in, in line to make the playoffs this year. Uh, in this COVID-shortened season and expanded playoffs, if we go back to a more regular playoff format, do you see them as a perennial playoff contender moving forward from what you've seen with the, the rise of their, their youth uh, and making its way out onto the field? Are they there? Everyone thought they were still at least a year away from this. And now this year, it's we're, we're seeing playoffs. Is a drop-off coming or do you see them ready to stay?
1: I would love to pl- play the party line here and say both because I do think this team is going to actually be better in the future. Now, if you told me this was a 162-game season, I would still tell you that the Phillies would catch past them and catch them. I think the Phillies are still a better team right now than the Miami Marlins. That being said, I love what the Marlins are doing for the future. I said Pablo Lopez, Sixto Sanchez, and Sandy Alcantara are – Awesome young pitchers that look like they have a great bright future. If you haven't watched Sixto Sanchez pitch yet, do it. Like you mentioned, He's so Devin. Will- you watch. mentioned De- Devin Williams changeup. Sixto Sanchez, Luis Castillo, and Devin Williams have the, the best three changeups in the baseball right now. He it throws is throws like amazing. a ninety-one mile an hour changeup. It crazy. is crazy, unbelievable what that guy can do already. But so they have the young pitching. They're hitting. They've they've actually taken advantage of this season, too, and they've used some of their young guys. Jazz Chisholm's up for them playing shortstop. Isan Diaz is back. They've used some of their young guys. Yeah, John Birdie. They got Stry Marte. This is a team that's going to be competitive again next year. At this point, I feel like they're a a competitive team. They're fun. They're fun to watch. They are fun to watch, but they're not the Braves. Correct. They're not the Phillies. I'd still say over the course of the year, the Phillies are a better team than the Marlins. The Mets, they're better than the Mets at this point. I, you, we can't, I don't know how you're going to say that the Marlins aren't better than the Mets at this point just because they've played better for a substantial amount of time. And Washington is strange in that. I said, they're still the defending champions, but for whatever reason, it just has not worked this year for Washington. So at this point, the Marlins are going to make the playoffs, I think, this year. They, they might be able to hold off. Uh, at least, I think they're in tracking for a wild card, if nothing else, with the Phillies. But I going forward, the Braves are still a better team, assuming health for some of those pitchers works out. Soroka are freed, and the Phillies, I'll still take them going forward, but the Marlins are exciting to watch. It's an important offseason uh, for them not to get past uh, the,
0: their current playoff uh, hopes here, uh, but they need now to augment
1: uh, that team. Uh, will they spend? I'll be interested to see what they do with some of those. They signed some of those one-year contracts, right? Jesus Aguilar, uh, Corey Dickerson some of those types of one-year low-risk play signings. So do they do it again, or do they spend up a little bit?
0: Uh, I know that everyone's hurting with the uh, lack of revenue from fan attendance, et cetera, in the the shortened season, but playoff funds are, to me, the biggest help for a small market team contending. uh, Playoff revenues... Uh, play a big role in the year moving forward. So there should be some funds there for the Marlins uh, next year uh, and as
1: they continue to look towards competing. My fourth question, let's look at a team we haven't actually necessarily talked too much about here, and they're only a couple games back right now of the second spot in their division, and that is the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners, surprisingly, have actually been winning games recently, and they're getting... Fairly close to catching up to the Houston Astros right now. They are sitting at, oh, I just lost it. They are sitting at two, twenty-one and twenty-five, so two back of the Astros. They've won seven of their last ten, couple game winning streak right now. Astros are playing against the Dodgers right now. Might lose that and drop another game to them. Seattle, we Kyle Lewis, for whatever reason, still tracking to actually have a chance to win. Maybe that I don't think he's going to catch Lizardo or. Luis Rawer, but still tracking to have a chance for the AL Rookie of the Year here. And Seattle's playing above where we expected them to play, too. And once again, uh, kind of the same question I just have for you is, is Seattle going to make the playoffs? Right now, what has made this tighter is the Astros have
0: faced the buzzsaw of the Los Angeles Dodgers this weekend. Uh, and they're looking to go under five hundred again today if the score holds out. So I, they still have a chance... Uh, mathematically, uh, I don't see it happening. Um, There's some young talent with Seattle. There's things that you like. Uh, I'm still always confused uh, by Seattle's approach. I know with Trader Jack, they're always looking to uh, uh, ship off anything that isn't nailed down. But Austin Nola was uh, someone who I thought could be part of that uh, future. But uh, scouts raved at the return that they got from uh, the Padres for that. So maybe that overall is uh, better for them. But you're seeing pieces come together. They have some slightly above average pitchers that are underrated over
1: there, uh, from Kikuchi to uh, Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, and they've gotten some good contributions out. of Justice Sheffield, who they got a yes, couple of years ago from the Yankees, yes. and Justin Dunn lately has pitched really well for them also. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with them. I, I also don't think they will probably make the playoffs, but I, they need to be mentioned more because they have played better than I think we both expected them to play, and I think it's a lot of it has that. been some of the young pitchers. Uh, the young pitchers
0: have uh, uh, they've had some shrewd trades that have worked out. Paxton uh, got them, Sheffield. Uh, and uh Kyle Lewis with the
1: Robinson Cano uh at Diaz trade yeah Kyle uh, Lewis. Kyle Lewis is still hitting 292 now it's not the 470 he was hitting for a while when his bad bit was like 900 or whatever it was but 40 there 33 runs nine homers 24 Rbis three steals 292 that's really solid for a, a guy making his big league debut this year at age 25.
0: and things sound different coming off his bat yeah uh, and uh so th- you're finding real building blocks that are coming up together at the same time uh Seattle does have uh money Uh, it's just a matter of when they
1: decide they want to spend it and the future Uh, looks bright down in the minors we've I've talked about Jared Kellenick on this podcast a couple times he's still never made his big leg debut I I was
0: I'm sorry I did that before Kyle Lewis was not in the Robinson Canoe trade that was Kellenick. uh that was the big one with it but Kyle Lewis is the one who's now come up and uh I've been a bright spot early on and is now finding more bright
1: spots to compliment him. Kyle Lewis, Dylan Moore, I mentioned Dylan Moore, Dylan Moore 23 runs, seven homers, 15 RBIs and 11 stolen bases doing oh, <laughs> really nice things for him. Kind of playing that super utility role and they're getting contributions out of players that we didn't expect. Many people had probably never heard of at the beginning of this season, but it's, it's at least making them competitive at this point, which is not what we expected. Is it Evan White? Evan White strikes uh, out a lot. Plays first base.
0: Has he been doing anything else well? I know the strikeouts have been there, but I haven't seen 30. his numbers of late. Has he been holding his own? He's, he's hitting 176 Ugh. at this point All with right.
1: five home runs. He's, he's really got to work on the strike lull, It's from what I've seen. I like the return, too, from Austin Nola. I love Ty France. They got Ty France back in that trade. He's hitting 330 since he got there. He kind of a little do-everything, punch-and-judy type of hitter, but a fun player to watch. The The Mariners are kind of like the Maybe not the Marlins and the fact that they don't have that really high-end pitching that the Marlins have looking at going forward that are super young, but they have some pieces to build around as they look to go forward in the future here. So Seattle rebuilding the right way, I'd say.
0: Well, let me give you my final question, and that's uh, we're in the, the home stretch. We have two weeks to go in this regular season. Which team do you see that isn't currently... I'll stretch this out to, to two parts here but which team that isn't that is on the outside looking in could you see making a late playoff surge we've seen that in uh, in, in recent years it's it's happened with a couple of things brewers are on the the bad side of that uh, with a uh, fallout in the last month of the season uh, but in this stretch it can happen especially with things being so close of the teams that are on the outside looking in who could you see Making a late playoff
1: surge. Okay, so I got to go through. So first off, here's the players that are in the playoffs. You have Atlanta and Miami. You have Chicago and St. Louis. You have the Dodgers and the Padres. And then the wild cards are, let's see here, it'd be San Francisco and Philadelphia. Too bad I wanted to pick Philadelphia. Um, so I, that gives me, who's going to make a late surge here? boy. I will go with and there are some terrible teams in the
0: National League. It's it's hard with uh, the expanded playoffs to see of who remains who,
1: who can could. actually make the playoffs. So I will go Man, I'm going to have to say the Brewers here. It's going to have to be it's either the Brewers or the Reds and I'm so at this point I've given up hope on the Cincinnati Reds just because I don't know what's wrong with I don't even know if I mentioned Sunny Gray within like the last hour went on the on the 10-day IL so they they lost another player. So I said already, the Brewers have the advantage of the fact that they're playing 10 games against their Cardinals. So all they have to do is win some go. of those games and go. get in. And I still think they have a chance. That being said, if you're if you're going to ask me if the Brewers are doing anything in the playoffs, if they get there, uh, that would be a So a you're doubtful. saying there's a chance. They'll get there and then hope. You never know what could happen, but I was really hoping the Phillies were going to be out of the playoff race at this point, and I could pick them, but they won today, and they got back in.
0: I would assume of the teams that are... Currently, uh, bound for the playoffs at this point, that your late surging team would be the Philadelphia Phillies. They have played them way their way into contention. Now, being more of the team that they ex, uh, that people expected them to be, now it's
1: just a matter of what type of climb can they make in the final two weeks. Sure. So let me talk about the Phillies here, because right now the Phillies would track to be the last team in the playoffs. And so the last team in the playoffs that can throw out Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler to start the first two of a rotation. All you have to do is win two of three in some of these series. You give me Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, I got a pretty good chance to win two of them, I think. Uh, Zach Eflin's been okay for him. Arietta's actually kind of a weird bounce back year at his age. And then JT armuto has been the best catcher in baseball this year. Alec Baum has been awesome coming up to play third for him. And Bryce Harper, we've mentioned him before, he's playing like the MVP player they paid him to be, so I know what I have in the Philadelphia Phillies. I have a consistent lineup, and I have two top-end starters, which means I can win a series like that. Especially since the first series is a three-game set. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not much incentive
0: for the number one seeds this year. It's it's kind of interesting. I don't know if I want the number one. Uh, the Rays have done well against uh, the New York Yankees, for example, uh, but right now that's one and eight. Uh, that's, that's who you'd face in that first series, which means I have to go up against Garrett Cole again. I did that last year. I yeah. don't like it. Nope. Uh, so now the other two pitchers I'd feel better against, but... It makes me nervous going up against that yeah. in a three-game series. Let me face him in a five or seven-game series, and I like it. Yeah, if you're the Dodgers, you have to play
1: versus Aaron Nola. You don't want to yes. versus Aaron Nola. You know what he can do. He, I mean, the Dodgers can beat him, but Aaron Nola could go Wheeler's out there and been throw consistent all year long too. Yeah, they could go out and throw seven innings of two hits. Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities. So yeah, two-game series makes these really challenging, even these first-round games. Is that your question? Did I miss anything? Okay, you said there was a second part to it. I just want to make
0: sure I did. The second part was was wanting to give you a chance to talk about the Phillies. Okay,
1: but thanks for letting me bail out there. So my question is somewhat similar to yours. I just have down. Okay, we're two weeks left. Who's going to win the American League? Here's your Tam. You can you can talk up your team. I won't call you a homer. The I'm curious
0: to see the next two weeks as a Rays fan because they've started to taper off. After the big series against the Yankees and the the dust-up that took place uh, and they're uh, slamming the door on them in the final game, they've cooled off. Uh, and now, again, you're not going to stay at the pace that they were. They went like 20-5 and five in, in, in 25 games. You're not going to keep up that pace. But against non-500 or below 500 teams they don't have the best record against. And so even though the, the record to the end of the year, uh, the teams that they're facing is not that good, they they have not played well in, in those series. So you've had guys that have been cold. Austin Meadows still hasn't looked like his self last year. Uh, Brandon Lau is... Uh, uh, Strikeouts are starting to climb streaky. back up there. Yeah, he's a streaky hitter. Now, over the weekend against the, the Red Sox, some home runs have come. He started to look a little better. Uh, you've seen uh, Yoshi Sutsugo, uh has started to get comfortable with Major League Pitching. Uh, his last stretch in the last 20 games has been very good. Uh, so I like some things there, but I I still don't know. Uh, I, 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 I want to see them in the next two weeks. I want to make sure that I wanted them to taper off like this so they can work on how do we rebound because you need that because you have to turn around fast in playoffs. So, a little bit of adversity right now is the perfect time for it. The week leading up to the postseason, you don't want, uh, and obviously not in postseason. So, I'm curious there, but I don't believe with the injuries that have been there, I wouldn't still put them as the favorite, even though they have the great tear and now the best record in the American League. That could now be uh, matched by Oakland today, uh, well, and, and actually surpassed by the uh, White Sox with 30 and 16 versus 30
1: and 17. That's the Ooh. team the, the the teams I want to talk about some quick here are the the AL Central teams cuz I still think the the Rays have been very good. The Athletics, I said you can't understate how good of a player Matt Chapman is that that loss that the Athletics are going to have to deal with there is going to make that a real hard win for them. The the White Sox have just kept playing great baseball. They have an awesome offense. They strike out so much, which makes them a really high variance team because they do strike out so much. But at this point it's worked at this point till this point. So what else can you say? And I still think the twins are one of the best teams in baseball too. So, yeah. So let's talk about how we separate the
0: teams or at least my uh, criteria of how I, uh, how I go about this. Number one, you see it in the postseason: dominant pitching dominates, dominant hitting. Uh, so now of these teams, is there a team that has above, uh, above everyone else, dominant pitching uh, of the playoff teams? No one at the top. The Rays could, but they're streaky. Uh, you don't know if you're getting good good Blake Snell or bad Blake Snell. Uh, you don't know if Tyler Glasnow has his control on uh, where he can dominate or not. Charlie Morton is still getting his health back. There's too many question marks. Oakland has good starting pitching. I wouldn't say
1: dominant starting pitching. The uh, one that's dominant is Cleveland, right? Cleveland, yes. You have Shane Bieber and you have Carlos Carrasco. Now they got rid of Clevenger, but... Plesac has had his moments, and Savale. So Cleveland actually is the one that you trust the pitching the most on at this point. But their offense is terrible. They have yep. lost six straight now. They
0: are fading fast, uh, and you have uh, you just don't have enough firepower to match what you need with that pitching. So that, so again, so what that means is. The top question is, who's got enough dominant pitching? Because that eliminates any conversation about offense. If we don't have that pitching, then it's a conversation about offense. And right now, yeah, the the teams that would scare me in the American League, White Sox and Twins, they have the most feared offenses in the American League. And right now, I give Minnesota's pitching a nudge over the White Sox. So my pick for the American League right now today, it'll change tomorrow, but today uh, is the Minnesota
1: Twins. I think I've made a pick the Twins early in this year towards to at least be competitive in that. And I, the Twins have done exactly what we thought they'd do from the outset. We knew they had a great offense. They've played like it the whole year. They've had injuries. Josh Donaldson's missed time. Byron Buxton's missed time. The offense still keeps clicking. They still keep winning games. And the White Sox are tracking ahead of where I think we all thought they would be. i I knew they could possibly score runs on that team. I didn't know it was going to look this good, and it's come out, and they've pitched good enough at this point. Like you said, they have the best record in the American League. So I said the AL Central, is. I think it'll come out of that division, but there's literally three options, and they're all above-average teams at this point.
0: Now, the White Sox offense has scored 20 runs more than any other team in the uh,
1: American League. They hit a lot of home runs Are we overlooking? How good the White Sox offense is? I think the White Sox offense... Top to bottom from, as yes, Grandal started slow, but has picked it up recently. I believe he's gotten his average above the Mendoza line. Uh, Jose Abreu, uh, I mentioned this my pick to win the MVP award a couple weeks ago, and he had another couple home run game another two nights ago. Tim Anderson can win Tim a Anderson. batting title, so you have contact, you have power. Yohan Moncada, Jimenez, Luis Robert, this team is stacked. Top to bottom, the offense on the, Louis, on the Chicago White Sox is compatible with the Twins. Then it's, like you said, you look at the pitching, it's Giolito to Barrios, which is maybe Giolito a slight edge, but essentially a wash. Keichel's hurt. The Twins still have Kenton Maeda. The Twins still have Rich Hill. The Twins still have Michael Michael Pineda, right? So at this point, I think the depth of the Twins' rotation gives them the edge, in my opinion.
0: It's going to be an interesting series because there is no one complete X factor over another. Each team has a specific strength, but not enough to shore up their weakness to be the clear cut. I don't think there is a clear cut in the American League right now. I think there's some good. There's some some very, very good teams.
1: teams in the American League. Who gets
0: hot at the right time yep. is the question.
1: Yep. Yep. I would say the same thing about the, honestly, the National League, we've, talked about how great the dodgers are and they're still probably the team to beat at this point the dodgers have not done enough to show that they're not good but if the braves, they
0: get bueller back if the, if the health is there at the end i i would give them the nod but yeah. right now health
1: is a question yeah it's a it's a question mark and the braves have played really well the padres keep playing well so they're certainly not a cakewalk into the finals at this point i would agree well that uh wraps up the the hot seat for each of us here
0: as we uh Cool off. Uh, We uh, get prepared for one more regular season podcast. Uh, Comes up next week. It's how fast everything (laughs) has been uh and next week we focus on the chase uh we'll have one week left we mentioned how close everything is we mentioned how tight the playoff races are the division races are from one to eight uh, in both leagues uh we have teams that are writing a full uh winning week surge six in a
1: row seven in a row who've lost six or seven in a row yeah the yankees have won five in a row we didn't even talk really about the yankees they have five five game winning streak after a, was it a five-game losing streak to a five-game winning streak? Is that how it went, or was it four to five? But those type of hot streaks at this time of That's the year can really change Can really change those uh, games behind in the category. And despite uh, talking a little bit
0: about who could make a, a late-season surge here, uh, this next week is going to change that conversation that much more as we look to the final seven-game stretch, uh, how many doubleheaders teams have uh, going into this. We mentioned uh, the big series coming up here uh, for our matchup of the week, you have uh, Dodgers and Padres Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Padres looking at seven straight right now. Into they just the...
1: won. So they won both games of the doubleheader today. I was just checking that.
0: Perfect. So now you have the only two games back with a three-game series against uh, the Dodgers here who are reeling with injuries. Uh, how is that going to go? But you have Clayton Kershaw versus Nelson LeMet Monday night. So there's there's our pitching matchup for the week. Uh, Check that one out. Uh, Brewers fans, we keep uh, toting on that edge of waiting to fall, and I asked the question today if they're done, and yet you have 10 games against the St. Louis Cardinals in the final two-week stretch. You are still not out of it despite not playing well. At least you're going to get to see games that matter. Yes, and I suppose that's at least the one silver lining in all of this the ball is still in your court you're not having to do box score watching for someone else it's still right there for the taking uh Two and games uh, tomorrow Cardinals are 20 and 20 they're just right at the at the middle so uh it's going to be interesting so we have that coming up here uh this week too and then going into the final stretch so stay tuned for next week the chase is up and we will talk playoff baseball then
1: bye